0: This episode of the Citadel Cafe is brought to you by listeners like you. Visit patreon.com thecitadelcafe the Citadel Cafe to find out how you can become a patron and help make this show possible. This is the Citadel Cafe, episode number 465 for Wednesday, May 10th, 2023. My name is Joel Duggan and the Citadel Cafe is where my friends and I talk about the geeky stuff that we're into. Joining me this week, Stephen ESC is here and we're going to be talking about all kinds of Star Wars. So buckle up. You can follow Stephen at Stephen ESC on all the social media that matters. And of course, Stephen ESC on Twitch. Hello, sir.
1: Hello, sir. How are you?
0: Doing well. It has been an entire 12 hours since we yes. parted ways. <laughs> exactly. For folks that don't know, Stephen and I are uh, gym buddies. We, we work out a few times a week. Early. Early. Did I say early, early enough? Early. Today yeah. was early.
1: <laughs> Today was... Felt it. I felt early. the early this morning. Yeah,
0: it was bright. It was bright and zero dark stupid. Well, I, that's a lie. Zero dark stupid is a funny way to say it. It's only true in like January, February. Now that it's May, right. it's actually quite lovely <laughs> on the way to the gym in the morning.
1: Although surprisingly chilly for May it was yes. uh, I think only three or four degrees Celsius,
0: yeah, it was not warm was not at all warm uh, i'll I'm not looking forward to forty degrees I'm not even looking forward to twenty seven no. degrees, but I am looking forward to fifteen and twenty mm-hmm. and hiking weather and things like that will be uh very much welcome I think around here good read. So we're going to kick things off with uh, kind of a recap of the Star Wars news that's been hitting the internet uh, over the last month, honestly. Uh, Star Wars Celebration was on April 7th through 10th of this year, and May the 4th was just a few days ago. And uh, not a lot happened on May the 4th that I saw. There were a few things. uh, But most of the news that was coming our way as Star Wars fans uh, was coming out on the... uh, the the waves from star Wars celebration. And I say that because Mm -hmm. the way that I was keeping track of all of it was through blind wave, a YouTube channel. I know that I've mentioned here on the show before, and they have a star Wars focused YouTube channel called star Wars wave squadron. And -hmm. it's a great way to get caught up with some of the insight from the folks that are steeped in star Wars. And they actually attended the convention and some of the panels. So where, You could watch some of it live and see some of the announcements live. There's also VODs and stuff. I'm sure people have seen them by now on on YouTube. But if you want like the Coles notes, or if you want to hear impressions of like trailers that were shown live to the convention goers, but were not put online uh, for various, you know, timing reasons or like things weren't ready yet, or you're getting an early look because the director of the show happens to be at the panel, stuff like that. Um, Mm -hmm. You can get your information from uh, Blind Wave and the Star Wars Wave Squadron. Uh, Very, very cool uh, guys. I really quite like uh, Eric a lot. I think Eric is one of the biggest Star Wars nerds in their kind of uh, panel of hosts. He's really articulate and he is very balanced as a Star Wars fan. So even if something is not for him, he knows it's for someone. And so he doesn't really come down hard on things. He'll be... Fine saying that I didn't like that, but not saying that it's crap. Right. You know, like he keeps a really balanced, uh, balanced opinion. We'll have a couple of articles linked in the show notes as well. I've got uh an article from dapsmagic.com for the expanded Star Wars timeline that was revealed at Star Wars Celebration, and uh gamesradar.com had a summary of everything announced at Star Wars Celebration 2023. Uh so the big thing for me, the thing that I thought was really interesting is very similar to what we've seen happen with marvel over the last 10 to 12 years (laughs) star wars is expanding uh its timeline but they're doing it in a different way and i think in a way that suits the ip much better than marvel so marvel was doing these tentpole movies they were kind of leading into one another and they it was a progressive timeline it ha, it started right. with Iron Man and it kind of went through the events until Infinity War and Endgame and now it's gone beyond that and they're moving into a different phase although i find the new phase very confusing but for star wars what they revealed at Star Wars Celebration was the Star Wars timeline and i'll read the major points along the way Dawn of the Jedi the Old Republic the High Republic the Fall of the Jedi, Reign of the Empire, Age of Rebellion, The New Republic, Rise of the First Order, and The New Jedi Order. And Jeez. it spans, if you want to kind of put your, your, I guess, perspective cap on, the Dawn of the Jedi is like the Dawn of the Force. So like no one knows what it is. No one knows how to use it. Who found it? Who started it? We're talking 2000 years ago.
1: That'll be really cool.
0: Yeah, timelines like that I think have a lot of potential because you're not in the Skywalker saga, you're not linked to Skywalkers or Palpatines or anything like that. Uh no Han Solo relatives like you just you're so far removed that while you have the ability to uh tie things together and pay some fan service, you can still create your own unique story without having to worry about all the pressure of of the expectations of existing characters right you can mm-hmm. tell new stories with new characters which i think is something that the animated series that star wars has done is doing really well and that actually brings me to my next point is that not all of these properties or points in the timeline are films there are disney plus series some of them are animated some of them are uh, live action as we'll talk about and then other things are comics you know the high republic uh right now i think it's the high republic uh older republic pardon me the older republic is a comic series
1: i didn't know that that's cool. yeah uh
0: and a lot of the jedi kind of look like um lone rangers interesting stuff there's also the 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 new books that are out right now so previous to disney buying star wars uh there was a lot of novels and that was pared down by i want to say what was and wasn't canon. So, some things have been removed from canon. A really good example is the Timothy Zahn trilogy, which was removed from canon because of what it did with the Skywalker characters, and they wanted to take them into new stories in the new movies. Mm. But sometimes there's such a fandom for these books that pieces of the non canon books are brought into canon stories. For example, Grand Admiral Thrawn. Uh, who appeared in Rebels, the cartoon, is from the Timothy Zahn trilogy. It's from Heir to the Empire. Uh, And so by bringing that into Rebels, they made Thrawn canon, not the stories from Heir to the Empire, but the character is now part of Star Wars, which fans were super excited about.
1: Yeah, that's a really cool way to do it.
0: Yeah, I think because they're taking the things that fans, you know, have been attached to, but then they're able to move them forward in new ways. And so there's I'm sure there's a huge list of things that are and are not canon. Um I'm not too fussed about it. I just kind of think about non-canon stuff like, well, it's about Star Wars tales and Star Wars I mean, even our own history is, you know, written by the winners, you know, like yeah. there's always <laughs> there's always a second, you know, side to everything. So maybe some of the canon the the non-canon stuff is just tales, tall tales. You know, it doesn't have to be true um i think that we can still get some good stories out of the older older content the dawn of the jedi is actually one of the things that they were focusing on in one of the panels where there are three new films coming to star wars um james mangled is to direct a film set thousands of years in the past focusing on the first jedi so that's going to be like the dawn of the jedi kind of era mm-hmm. dave filoni uh our friend Dave Loney. Dave we don't know Dave, but he's I consider him my friend. <laughs> another uh, gym buddy. <laughs> yeah. Another, yeah, another Gym Buddy. Um Dave Floney is directing a film to bring together the Disney Plus streaming series that are currently happening. So that's mm. Mandalorian. We know that he's involved in the Ahsoka series coming up. Uh there's um Book of Boba Fett. And I think that's it for Star Wars series currently going. Um unless they're looking at Bad Batch as well, but Bad Batch is animated. So I don't know if they're going to make that jump of pulling things like Bad Batch into live action. I would be very curious to see how they would do that. Yeah,
1: especially since they've got the same actor voicing all of the <laughs> all of the five main characters. So
0: Yeah, so the, I, I would be okay if they made some choices there and actually got different actors. I think that would be fun. Yeah, I'm sure they would. Yeah, yeah um, fit the archetype, that kind of thing. Uh, so that'll be cool because, of course, that's going to be Dave Filoni's first feature, which is going to be great. Uh, the, uh, is there's going to be a new film set 15 years after the rise of Skywalker. So after episode nine, and that was the big news coming out of star Wars celebration. Daisy Ridley is reprising her role as Ray Skywalker, and that will be directed by Charmin Obeyed Chinoy. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. She's actually a Oscar winning director. She won for best short documentary this year, I think. So, yeah, some interesting, uh, interesting chops. Really cool to see a female director at the helm of a Star Wars film uh, with Mm -hmm. a female lead. You know, like, I think that that's awesome. I really like Ray the character. I don't know about you.
1: I do. I think think Daisy really did a great job of taking that role and basically leading those three films. I thought it was really good.
0: So I'm looking forward to that. I I know that Mm -hmm. people are not super thrilled about the whole her name being skywalker thing even though she's related to palpatine but i saw a really good sort of explanation of that in that she's not palpatine's granddaughter exactly because of the information that we're getting and we'll get into this in the mandalorian discussion but the information we're getting from television series now and all the cloning that's been going on and if it was one of palpatine's clones that is Ray's father, then she's technically not related to him in the same way that we think of a family tree. Uh, She would share DNA for sure, but it's not going to be like necessarily a bloodline.
1: Interesting,
0: but it was explain why she's so bloody powerful at the same time too, <laughs> right? No, uh, no yeah, so because that that what I think is is, is really interesting. So I I'm interest, I'm interested to see in the light of all that's happening that we're getting with the Star Wars series now on television and what's coming up. Uh, I'm interested to see how these new films are going to go, especially because they're not all happening post Rise of Skywalker. We've got things kind of littered throughout, which I think is going to be going to be cool. In August, we have the Ahsoka series that we've talked about the trailer, I believe on this show before.
1: It feels so long, a long away still.
0: (laughs) We got a teaser trailer. Uh, It looks amazing. There's lots of rebel characters in it. Lars Mikkelsen is reprising his role as Admiral Thrawn. He voiced the character in Rebels. Uh, He is now going to be playing the character in real life in uh, live action. So that's going to be really cool uh i'm glad that they went that route the fans are excited about it he does look the part as well like he kind of has that eastern european very kind of like high cheekbones and very uh stern i mean he's a very happy guy at the star wars celebration he was just blown away by the reception from the fans so he was very smiley and very happy but in the roles i've seen him in he's he can be very stoic so that's Mm -hmm. gonna be that's gonna be really cool Uh, my buddy chad is very excited about that because thrawn is one of his favorite villains from Star Wars, so you've seen the teaser trailer for Ahsoka, right?
1: I have, yes. It it's really well done. I find st- stylistically looks very cool. I think she looks like a badass with the uh, <laughs> the lightsabers already. So I'm I'm really looking forward to this one.
0: I'm really excited about all the Rebels characters that I, you probably are aware of, but I don't know if you are that invested in.
1: Yeah, I'm. It's tough because I see a lot of these characters, and I'm I feel like a familiarity. About them, but I just I don't know them that well to get excited that they you know which ones specifically are going to be in the show. But even as a standalone series, without knowing what the characters are, I think that they, they did a fantastic job with the trailer to make it look exciting, like you really want to watch it.
0: I think it's going to do both. Like I think it's going to bring in new people, and it's going to be rewarding for people that have watched the cartoons and have invested in the animated series. But like you know, my buddy Chad, he doesn't watch the cartoons; he's just not interested, and. and at some point if you've missed a lot of them like no one wants to watch seven seasons of clone wars because it's a dated cartoon and that's where ahsoka gets kind of like her hooks into the fandom and the first three seasons are rough there's moments uh i saw an interview actually blind wave and a couple of other podcasters were talking about it and they were asking people like when did ahsoka stop annoying the crap out of you and become <laughs> the internet darling that she is now. And a lot of people say like season 2 or season 3 because the first 3 seasons were aimed at 10-year-olds. And then they're 13-year-olds. And so they started writing for older kids. And and the arcs started happening more Anakin got closer to Revenge of the Sith timeline stuff. Like it it became a really interesting thing. So for folks that don't know if you're if you're kind of like on the outside of the Star Wars fandom, Ahsoka is anakin's padawan she eventually left the jedi order before passing the trials to become a jedi and eventually a jedi master so she still uses the force and considers herself i shouldn't say that she doesn't consider herself a jedi she certainly acts like one truth justice do the right Mm -hmm. thing all that kind of stuff but she will very often say i'm not a jedi uh, and because she has problems with the Jedi order, uh, I think a lot of those problems with the Jedi order are founded and maybe some of the reasons why the Jedi order fell so easily to the Sith when it did. So seeing where this trailer is going to go is very interesting, especially because it looks like, um, that the main, uh, antagonist is Thrawn, uh, or at least the p- plot line is probably the search for Thrawn, because if you remember, mm-hmm ahsoka appearing in season two of the mandalorian she was fighting the magistrate of that town it was like a very samurai-esque episode right in her first appearance and she was questioning the magistrate about thrawn and it and the magistrate actually from that encounter was in the trailer for ahsoka so that character is coming back too Uh, and that's really cool. I think it's played. I can't remember her name, which is terrible, but I think she's played by Bruce Lee's goddaughter or something. And that's why she's so into the fighting and the stunts and stuff because she's, that's she's trained, uh, in all the martial arts because she was inspired by her godfather. Anyway, really cool story. Um, to have so many things like that tied to star Wars in in Hollywood.
1: It'll be nice to see Thrawn come into the mix of it as well. I mean, I don't know him from previous shows, but just, right. I did a bit of rewatching, as I mentioned to you of. The Mandalorian, just before the show, and at the beginning of the second last episode, Off Gideon is actually talking to the other holograms. I forget. Council what of Evil, on. or basically, it's like the Council yeah. of Evil. They don't call the themselves that, guys.
0: but yeah. It's basically a circle of bad guys.
1: Yeah, he ca- he calls one of them out. He says, you say Admiral Thrawn's going to come. And yet I, you know, I hear whispers, but there's nothing actually on the radar of him being around or coming back. So are is he really coming or are you lying or do we need new leadership kind of thing? So it's interesting that it is, you know, mentioned in Mandalorian as well and that it's actually going to become a bigger, bigger, bigger plot point in Ahsoka, so.
0: Because Thrawn was a huge plot point in Rebels. And I won't spoil mm-hmm. anything, um, I will say that Thron is a character that's like calm and methodical and will like use a culture's history and art in order to beat them in war. Jeez, like that kind of a thing like so he he gets inside the head of the enemy, realizes what their values are, and either squeezes those values or like dangles the carrot to To get them to do what he wants them to do so that he can then attack them or enslave them or whatever the Empire's mission is in that particular case. And mm. so he's he's always talking in that way. It's it's kind of like one of those things where in a lot of times a villain monologuing like Thrawn would make you roll your eyes in most films and stories, <laughs> and comic yeah. books. But because he's so smart, it's not like Goldfinger, you know, it's not like mustache twirling evil monologue. It's more like, the explanation of like I have you now and it's it's very it's mm-hmm. very good like the book was was really the books I should say there's more than one the books were really well done I and I liked how they portrayed him in in the rebels because of course they had to make it for you know accessible for all ages and stuff but it was well mm-hmm.
1: done and not that I want to steal your thunder but if anyone else is like me and hasn't has not actually seen Ashoka before the series comes out Joel mentioned to me this morning that there is a Ashoka essential episodes playlist on Disney plus that I plan on going to watch because feels like we're in a bit of a lull now between you know Marvel shows coming out and Star Wars things coming out so between now and August um that playlist that you recommended looks like it's going to be a good one to to kind of hit to get get up to speed on at least what the who this character is because she seemed amazingly cool when she showed up in the uh oh what was it with the Book of Boba Fett was it or was it uh, a she was in both point. yeah she was in okay. both she was yeah. she
0: was in the Mandalorian season 2 and she was right. in the Mandalorian episodes in the book of Boba Fett when he goes oh, okay. to visit Sky- was, when yeah. he goes to visit Skywalker and bring Grogu the little middle um, little um, right. armor shirt, uh, yep. yeah, the Beskar armor chainmail. Um, she's there with R two D two and Skywalker and stuff right. like
1: that. She comes out looking cool right right away, so it's just oh absolutely. You know, I'm looking forward to getting her backstory
0: yeah and rosario dawson is a fantastic actor i really liked her stuff in marvel and i've seen her in all kinds of things before and so i'm excited for excited for that i'm excited that we're at a level in in disney plus and like i would say animated because there's so much special effects but like the disney series on tv don't feel like television shows it feels like movie quality effects and storytelling Mm -hmm. not every episode for some series you know there's always space scooters and things like that that we can turn our nose at but
1: (laughs) cough cough she-hulk cough cough yeah
0: but (laughs) in in the way that they handle the mandalorian the special effects the story the pacing the cinematography like it feels more oh my goodness you know like a film than it does an actual um tv series and so i think that i think that that's one of the disney's strengths with star wars is that they do eight episodes they do 10 episodes they don't push it too much and and I think that, you know, if Ahsoka is like eight or 10 episodes, again, it's going to be good and it's going to be tight because uh, mm-hmm. they don't have a lot of time to waste, which I think is good. The next bullet point on the timeline is The Acolyte, which is a Disney Plus series coming in 2024, said to make nods to how Lucas was inspired by samurai when writing about Jedi, set in the High Republic era, a century before The Phantom Menace. So a full thousand a hundred years hundred years is a century Mm -hmm. um a full hundred years before the birth of anakin skywalker it's supposed to lead to how the sith infiltrated the jedi so how the sith got in there i don't know if it's necessarily going to be about the first sith uh, because the, the thing about the force that i've come to understand is that it's always in balance so if there is a dawn of the force a dawn of the jedi then there should also be a dawn of the sith roughly at the same time Hmm. Uh, and so i don't know whether that's going to be told at the same time or whether the acolyte might look back to that that could be interesting to kind of get like a a series. i when i think about the acolyte and what they're trying to do i think about something like diablo where you're just an adventurer and know the world's not perfect but you're out there fighting the world and as you get deeper deeper into the story there's more and more of the occult and devil worship and demons and
1: Mm.
0: you know levels of hell and all these things kind of unfold and it starts to go back hundreds and thousands of years and all this kind of stuff i think that could be really really interesting for something like the sith which we really don't know much about other than just like they're always dressed in black and they're bad (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and you, they, they basically are the bad guys like they're the big i mean it's it's such a classic thing like it's a white starship and darth vader walks in the first time we all saw him back in a new hope and it's just like this big black figure it's just scary <laughs> like that's yeah. that's all we knew at the time uh we did see carrion moss wielding the force apparently in the trailer for the acolyte or a clip from the acolyte uh, these were not released publicly but these were things that were talked about and shown at star mm. wars celebration I like carrie Moss a lot. Me too. Uh, I can Very see cool. her in Star Wars and her wielding the Force sounds awesome. Sign yeah. me up. <laughs> like that just sounds fantastic. So Tamo, I hope I'm pronouncing his name right, is the actor that brought Chewbacca to life in recent Star Wars films, will also be playing a Wookiee in Acolyte that has Force abilities. So we're going to see... Oh,
1: that's interesting. Yeah,
0: either a Jedi Wookiee or like a, a Force-wielding Wookiee to say the least. Uh, so that could be cool. And we've seen them in animation. We've seen some Jedi Wookies in in different series. I think it was the Bad Batch this season. Have you gotten that far? I should have asked before I, I mentioned no, it.
1: No, it's okay. I th- I think I have gotten that far. The The, the Bad Batch is um, it's one of those shows that... I I don't know if I hit a point where it just seems like the episodes are just like one-offs and don't really actually move the story forward at all. So there's there's nothing really drawing me back to this this overarching arc. So I've been... I'm behind.
0: So I will, I will say push through and there are a couple, it did suffer from a a mid season pacing problem, but it picks up and the end is worth it. Like it, it really amps up the, what's the word I'm looking for? The pathos, like the it's, it's edge of your seat stuff. Uh, and I think part of the problem is that you can kind of see where they put all of their budget into like the, the two, the two episode finale. And then they had to have a couple of cheaper filler episodes like earlier in the season to balance it out, which I think is unfortunate because like, it's Disney, you print money, like just make the whole series like the last two
1: episodes, please. Or if you're going to have to like have those, you know, shows where there's two week episodes in the middle, just cut the weak ones out and make it a six episode season as opposed to an eight one.
0: That's the thing about these series, especially the cartoons is that they're meant for everybody. And so the adults are like champing at the bit for the season finale and the season opener and then the kids are perfectly happy watching droids or you know different you know simple stories that are self-contained episodes Mm -hmm. there are points when it doesn't focus on the normal characters and it does get better i wasn't a big fan of the villain like the scientist villain i felt that he was just too soft-spoken for animation like for for an animated show he was profoundly unanimated and i found it mm. really dumb like i i would rather have someone with a little bit more character to them um there needs to be a little bit more oomph in animated stuff but um but yeah really i i know that i poo-pooed the bad batch on this show when it first came out in season seven of clone wars i am happily eating my hat it, it's it's become <laughs> a much much better show with characters that i, I, I find endearing. Wrong. Yeah, I, you know, I don't, you know, when we, when we get into rants on the show about certain things, like I don't want to not like something (laughs) like (laughs) when I'm this invested in in a, in a franchise, like I really want things to go well. Speaking of younger audiences, the skeleton crew, I don't have much info on this other than it stars Jude Law uh, and it's billed as Star Wars answer to the Goonies. So it's aimed at younger crowd, perhaps all ages, like that kind of a thing. So Steven Spielberg's Goonies. I feel like that's a pretty solid, um, timeless film. I don't know how much of it would stand up in terms of, you know, my eighties, mm. but I feel like there's a certain generation where they would just like, they would get it. Um, and I feel like having something like that within star Wars would be, would be good. It's uh, live action. And I've seen an interview with Jude law, not that he can really say much, but he did share a story of himself nerding out on set and realizing yeah. that he's standing next to like actual jawas and he's just like this is the coolest thing ever like nice. i just you see him getting excited about that and when you see actors that are that into it like pedro pascal talking about how excited he was to be cast in a star wars show like i think that just speaks volumes for the level of work that they're going to bring it because when the yeah. actors want to get it right then they're not just like reading what's on the page like they want to really make sure that they understand everything about it and if they're already fans then they're going to be at least more aware of what's happening and not just what's in the scene but kind of like the whole mythos
1: yeah i'm curious to see how this one's going to go i was trying to find see if there had been any video just people i I realize you can't just take what you saw at this this event and show it but i was hoping that there'd be little snippets of things like that and there, there was a couple people who um one in an article and then one in a video where somebody said that it's got kids in it, but it may not necessarily be so geared at children. I honestly don't know because they were being super vague about it. So they, so they said it's it's not necessarily going to be for kids only. So I'm, I'm curious to see how it plays out. And I like Jude law and pretty much everything. So,
0: and the actors that they have playing the younger kids in it are, I want to say virtually unknown i know that mm. the blind wave crew are watching the K- K- karate kid what's the series on netflix it's not called karate kid cause oh, that's K- uh, uh cobra, kai? Cobra, cobra kai yeah apparently yes. one of the kids from i think it's the skeleton crew is also in cobra kai but not like the lead he's like one of the side characters but apparently he's right. re- he's really good and so um the blind wave crew were like man we're already a fan of this guy. Now that he's in my favorite franchise, like mm. let's go, you know? So apparently that's, you know, that's what's happening. And and I think that it's, again, you might have key cast members like Jude Law, like Carrie Ann Moss, but if you're bringing in like the younger Jedi crew and their virtually unknown actors, I think that's fantastic. You know, like mm-hmm, I didn't too. know anything about Daisy Ridley before she took on Ray, And that was perfect because I didn't have anything else to pin on ray like i just i just knew you know just knew um daisy ridley from that one role Uh, Mm um the and the same is true i guess of of mark hamill i've seen him in a few tv things here and there uh and he's obviously you know famous for doing some voice acting um but there's no part in mark hamill's performance as older luke skywalker that i think of the joker (laughs) you know so yeah exactly there's a big bit of a of a separation there And or season two is coming. uh, I've looked, but I haven't seen a trailer. I think maybe one dropped recently, but I just, I went looking again because I thought I saw it scroll by and it's so hard these days. I don't know about you, but I find like between YouTube and TikTok, I see all these things that are like, they look like trailers, but then after a few scenes, you're like, oh, this is fan made cuz you're like that's yep. not that's from that movie and this is from another movie and the music is a little bit different and you're just like okay but but they'll bill it on YouTube like new trailer for Andor season 2 and it's just like there's no little asterisks to say fi- fan made or like you know fan edit nothing like that and so you get yeah. duped into it it's like this isn't what it should be like so I don't know I haven't really seen one for sure that I'm aware of that's
1: a show I still have to watch as well. I have not been, had a chance to see oh, yeah. season I know, I know. <laughs> I knew you were going to do that. <laughs> you're like at, at the gym, like, you know, this is a show that even non Star Wars fans should watch and in, they would enjoy it. I said, okay. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you're, just, but you're
0: a Star Wars fan. Um, I am, yeah. Just time,
1: hours in a day. Hour, oh,
0: yeah. Look, well, we both, we both know about the whole hours in a day thing. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, I'm gonna be on board for Andor season two, and as I was sitting here talking about the trailer, I realized that I really didn't watch much more than the first trailer for this first season, and I might mm. try to fly this one blind because Andor is is like a it's a spy drama, and so not knowing what's coming around the corner, including cool money shots from the trailer, is awesome because then you don't know what to expect at all. Whenever you know they're doing something. With high risk which is basically everything that they do in that show um the characters i mean um so yeah it's it's one of those things that i'm looking forward to quite a bit
1: do you know a date on that one i was
0: Android season two no i don't think they have an announcement uh, i want to say it may be as late as 2024 the ahsoka series isn't coming out until august so it won't, if, if right. Andor is coming out anytime, it won't be until November or later, as far as I can tell.
1: Uh, uh, IMDb says 2024.
0: Yeah, okay. figured, I figured as much. A lot I mean, of the wow. stuff that they were showing was like 2024 type thing. Gotcha. Uh, or later for the films. The films are just like, the films are like ideas right now. And they they set that expectation quite clearly on stage when they said like, there are three films that we want to make they're currently like being written kind of like it was the stage that they're at. Like, it's not like they're, you know, shooting or casting or anything like that. There's just the only person on board so far that we know of was Daisy Ridley. Right. Moving into Star Wars Day 2023, that's May 4th, just a few days ago. Uh, Star Wars Vision Season 2 is now on Disney+. Plus. Uh, For folks that are not aware of Season 1, that is an anthology animated series where several different animation studios from around the world tell a short story based in the star wars universe and it is all over the map it could be a cool black and white samurai film it could be a goofy musical cartoon it could be somewheres in between and hmm. uh there is even some stop motion in season two uh looks like the same creators that did wallace and gromit have uh an animated <laughs> um, bit in there too uh nice. there's a Wookiee yelling and having like little clay fur vibrate underneath his chin like it's pretty it's pretty funny Uh, and there's a lot of really cool looking stuff too like there there apparently is a lot of really interesting things Uh, lots of jedi that kind of stuff so i'm looking forward to actually checking that out on disney plus star wars young jedi adventures on disney plus is also available that is for really young kids uh it looks like it's not quite dora the explorer but it looks like jimmy neutron but like in space so it's it's meant for like school-age kids and and i Mm -hmm. think it's going to kind of probably talk about like you know jedi morals and lessons of the day and stuff like that but that's fine i mean it's disney you knew they were going to do it um they bought star wars for a lot of money and they intend to make that money back and i (laughs) and i feel like um you're going to see stuff like this but i mean that's fine because like what happens is like you get these younger kids interested in something that's appropriate for them because i mean some kid that's five Darth Vader would be scary. That's not a movie that you necessarily watch when you're five, maybe when you're 10. But in the meantime, you can watch uh, Young Jedi Adventures on Disney+. Plus. Last but not least, Carrie Fisher received a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame on May 4th. It was accepted by <laughs> Billy Lord. Fisher's daughter with Mark Hamill alongside at the ceremony saying that it was about time is and well-deserved is what, uh, well deserved is what uh, was the quote from Mark Hamill so uh, that's really cool and cool that Billy Lord is involved in Star Wars and is able to accept it obviously Carrie Fisher passed away several years ago now but uh, cool that uh, the star is on the walk of fame now moving on into what we actually have been watching instead of hopefully uh, waiting to watch I will keep this spoiler free the guardians of the galaxy volume three i went to go see that with alistair last thursday i really didn't like it (laughs) we were talking about this on pass or play with brocket and i think that At that time, I may have already accepted the invitation to go see it. So when Brock had said, are you going to pass or are you going to play? I said, play, because I've already agreed to go. (laughs) Right. Normally, I wouldn't have high hopes for Guardians of the Galaxy. I wasn't a big fan of the second one. I think I liked the first one, but I liked it for what it was. I thought it was really different. And at the time, I knew nothing about the characters. And uh, we've seen them, obviously, throughout, you know, volume two and then other snippets within the Marvel crossovers and stuff. There was a couple things about the movie that I really, really didn't like. And I will leave all the plot stuff away from it because the movie only just came out like a couple days ago. But I I think that the thing that bugged me the most was the exchanges between the characters for the most part, they're screaming at one another. Mm. Doesn't matter whether it's good guys versus bad guys, good guys talking to good guys, bad guys talking to bad guys even just people on the street. There is just an awful lot of screaming. It was just loud. It was just loud. Um, And that leads me into the real meat of the experience, which was uh, on top of the film, not being something I enjoyed. The theater experience was absolutely awful. And uh, Alistair actually recorded on his Apple watch that the decibels in the theater hit 95, which is potentially damaging depending on the level and length of exposure. We were both are really uncomfortable. I don't know why we didn't leave. I think it's just the polite Canadian in us, even though he's from the UK. <laughs> but like, I, I could hear him laughing at the film, so I knew he was enjoying it. I didn't want to ruin his night. He invited me, like I was the guest, you know, to go. Right. Um, he had like opening night tickets kind of thing. So I didn't want to be like, dude, my head hurts. Can we go? Like that just feels like a crappy thing to do as a friend. But the entire yeah. car, work, car ride home we didn't talk about the movie. We talked about how loud and uncomfortable and sore we were Hmm. from seeing the film. And I don't, I'm not someone that went to a lot of rock concerts. Like I don't have any hearing loss that I'm aware of. But I've noticed that even just now, I'm only not having like sore ears. The rest of the weekend when I was streaming, having earbuds in was uncomfortable. And uh, I, I really will throw the book at the IMAX theater at Bears Lake at Cineplex in Halifax to say that is broken. Like that is not right. I would be livid hmm. if I had brought a kid. Like if I brought my 13 year old or, you know, like I don't, oh I don't goodness. have any kids, but like if I brought a young person who hears at different frequencies than me as a special thing, father and son to go see, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy. And it was that loud. Like the kid would be in pain. I, no, yeah, I would, I would be furious. Uh, we were pretty mad as it was. Uh, And so that unfortunately tainted the experience even farther, but I was, I was not a fan. And I, the one thing that I remember saying afterwards, I might've even been to you at the gym was that if James Gunn is the one that is in charge of DC (laughs) now, and he has been quoted as saying that the flash movie that's coming out in June is the best superhero film he has ever seen. And knowing that he made Guardians of the Galaxy volume (laughs) three, his opinion is not worth shit to me. So I, that is something I will not be seeing as flash version, whatever in, in the, the DC Cineverse, uh, coming out in June. So yeah, I, I, it was not for me. I would love for someone to change my mind because I don't like seeing these films that are obviously in a universe. I like with characters that should be really cool. And I'd love for somebody to change my mind. I'm not saying the movie had no good parts. There were good parts. It was visually stunning. In the spots that were clear, it was also a 3D movie, which is not my favorite, but I didn't know that going in. There are moments where you're like, okay, that was flipping awesome. But they don't happen that often. And and the rest of it seems to be pretty heavy with filler. So I'm curious to see someone that is maybe a Guardians of the Galaxy comic fan has more info on the characters, like something that they can bring to the table beyond the MCU that might help me like the film right. better. But I, it's just one of those things that it just didn't land very well for me.
1: Planning on seeing it in the next couple of weeks, so I'm curious now to see how. Uh, it's one of those things where I, I, I know that I want to see it in the theater, regardless of how you know what people have said about it. But you know, going in with I guess lower expectations, I might actually be better off than you and Alistair were probably, going into yeah, it because. I don't necessarily have high hopes, and so then I'll. I, there's a good chance that I'll be pleasantly surprised by elements of it.
0: So don't go see it in IMAX. Uh, go to yeah. Dartmouth <laughs> Crossing, uh, a smaller theater, uh, or which yeah. is a regular size theater, because I saw Top Gun at Dartmouth Crossing, which is the same franchise. It's a cineplex, but Top Gun was loud, but you could feel it in your chest. It didn't vibrate your brain, you know, like there was, and it was balanced, like when the characters were talking in Top Gun, you could hear them over the plane like this, the the movie was, and the presentation, the technical presentation in the theater was, was balanced.
1: I'm a little bit on the, I don't know if you would say cheap side, but I've already paid for my movie tickets (laughs) with that pass. So I, it it only includes like the basic movie theater experience. And so I'll just, I'll do that and then I'll just get probably some popcorn while I'm there. So it'll be hopefully quieter than the IMAX experience.
0: I hope so for your sake.
1: Yeah. I saw two movies in the theater since you and I last spoke. It's uh, Dungeons and Dragons and the Super Mario Bros. movie. So
0: Oh, you've seen Super Mario? Yeah. I think you had only planned on seeing that the last time. Yeah.
1: I, b- I enjoy them both. I think I told you already, like the Dungeons and Dragons movie, was, I was hoping for something a little bit more adventury. Um, You know, it had more comedic bits in it than I was, I guess, expecting, but it was still a lot of fun. So I'm, I'm, I'm you know, also talking about this in a spoiler-free way, but it was a... Yeah, it was very good. Very, the, the special effects were very cool. A good mix of practical effects and and CGI. So some of the characters I thought were interesting looking, and then the way they moved was less smooth than I, I guess, expected, but still good. And I found out afterwards, my older son was telling me that um, there were people in costume for um, chunks of it as well. So it was just quite good. The Super Mario movie, I... <laughs> I'd recommend it. If if you're a fan of the movie uh, the, sorry the Mario franchise of games, I'd say go see it. It was it was a lot of fun. I caught myself at one point going, "Uh but this is just like this is just like the video game coming to life. What's so big about You know what, Steven, shut up. This is like exactly why you would go and see it." So th- it had a lot of good you know nice little easter eggs in it. Uh the uh, the voice acting was quite good throughout. I was surpri- pleasantly surprised by Chris Pratt just because it's I don't, the way they He spoke in the trailer, sounded like he was just dialing it in, just like, here we go. And, but it didn't sound like he was flat energy wise throughout the movie at all. So it was, it was quite good. And Jack Black, of course, killed it just as Bowser is quite good.
0: I heard that, uh, Jack Black was hard to pull out as Bowser. Like you, if you knew going in, you could pick it up, but like, it wasn't like typical Jack Black. Like, you know, you think about Jack Black coming into a, a role, for example, uh, we talked about it in the Mandalorian season three, <laughs> like it's just Jack black in a different costume. Yeah. Like he's not really doing anything special for star Wars. He's just kind of being Jack black. Um, but I, apparently yeah. it was better than that in, in the Mario brothers movie.
1: Yeah. There's a, there's like a song sequence in it. Not that I'll, I won't say anything else about it. And then when, when he sings, you can hear the Jack black mm-hmm. in the singing and it sounds corny and it, it is corny in the movie, but it's, it kind of, you kind of laugh, roll your eyes at, it and you go, "Yeah, it kind of fits." So it's it's good, but it's uh, that that's kind of the the only part that felt very Jack Black. But he, yeah, I, I feel like he really nailed nailed the role, did a solid job.
0: I wouldn't mind talking about that one in depth, and it would be fun maybe to have the three of us get together where uh, you, me, and Ryan Murphy, because Ryan Murphy's family is big into oh, yeah. Mario, and he's a big fan, and all that kind of stuff. His kids are really into it. And I think he was planning on going to see the film, so if he's seen it, then uh, maybe the three of us can get together and, and chat about it.
1: Sure. I mean, it's to talk about it after it's been in the theater for a little while too. So we can actually talk about the storyline as opposed to going, it's fun, good voice acting. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Speaking of things we have seen, uh, and we can talk about spoilers because it's been (laughs) out for a couple of weeks now is uh, the Mandalorian season three, chapter 23 and 24. Most of what I have to say is going to be about chapter 24, the return. These were the, um, finale season bits of a season three. I, I kind of wish they would just call them episodes, you know, season three, episode seven and eight. It would be a lot easier to track, I think, but, uh, the way that they're listed on IMDb is by chapter. Anyway, I watched these the moment that they came out and Mm -hmm. I was surprised that they weren't just one big finale. It did really feel like one show, but I'm curious because it's been a little while since we've talked about Mandalorian on the show. What did you think of? both like i guess we could just talk about it like one story 23 and 24 what did you think of yeah. the season finale of season three
1: i guess the first thing i'll say is overall i really enjoyed the two episodes i thought it was a really good i think they could have as basically what you're saying they could have made this a two-hour final episode and it would have been fantastic like a, almost like a movie it would have been fantastic because the there was a cliffhanger at the end of Chapter twenty-three, which went right into Chapter four, and the action—the the action just kept going right through. So it was it was good. Um, you know, as we've said before on the podcast, it's like it's easy. Like I'm going to probably be like nitpicky about things. <laughs> probably it, it may seem like I don't like it, but I really did enjoy these two episodes, and so the the things that I may be a little bit whiny or complaining about is just because it's like as we've said, you you want it. It's so good, and you want it to be just like just perfect. It was solid. There was so much. Um, Action that was really well done. The, you know, I'm just going to be like listing off a bunch of stuff that I liked about it. Everybody feel free to jump in, but there was the, um, the, there's a lot of Mandalorians flying around in with their backpacks this time. So, um, in mid flight fight sequences as well, which I think they did it really well. You talked before about the, the special effects in the Star Wars being top notch, like especially the, um, the atm- atmospheric stuff and cinematography. There's, there's one scene in, the beginning, I think, of the second last episode. Right. It's it's when the um, the two groups of Mandalorians were coming together on. Oh, I keep forgetting the planet name. Wasn't uh, Navarro, was it?
0: Yeah, Navarro is where they all kind of grouped up.
1: Right. And then so th- there's one point where the large ships come into the atmosphere. And they're flying over the main city and it's just slow and takes its time. And everyone outside is looking up at it. And they just, they did it so well where it's, you can tell that there's a lot of work and detail that went into rendering the ship. But they also just, they muted the color some and then it blurred little parts of it. So it looked like it was up in the sky flying by, like instead of episodes one through three that George Lucas did and everything CGI was like the highest resolution Christmas possible, where it just, it didn't look like things were on realistic planes. I just, I really felt like when these massive ships came flying in, they did a, a really good job um although the big ship um <laughs> that was funny they had a giant emblem uh, mandalorian emblem on the t- on the bottom of the the massive imperial fighter ship and like that would have been that would have been would have been quite the task to paint that <laughs> like if you think about it, the actual size of that thing that ship and then the, the logo that they painted on the bottom of that that would have been so much paint and so much time to do is i couldn't can't leave the graphic designer out of me i'm like how would they have actually applied that but
0: Jetpacks. No. <laughs> Jet <packs.
1: laughs> there you go. All right. And <laughs> just like everyone's zipping around with paint rollers. Now I can just getting off topic, but that's, that's, that's funny. No, it's good. And then, you know, it's not without, it's things that always make me kind of laugh and roll my eyes. It's just the episode episode. Uh, the second last episode starts off with Moff Gideon walking into his communication room along a corridor with laser beam doors with guards standing on railing-less platforms where if they fall off the side, they're going to fall down. There's like almost every single Star Wars movie or show you watch, somebody is walking along something that they could, you know, two steps. If somebody got dizzy suddenly, they're dead. There's just, (laughs) there's no way around it. It makes me laugh.
0: I think the reason they do it is because villains just like to have an opportunity if they want to, to just push someone off. You know, like I just, I, I feel like that's the whole idea is just they just want the like if they need to off somebody then they don't have to necessarily overpower them they just have to give them a good shove and and they're done um that was one of my my favorite kind of like i guess it's like a star wars meme but there's a it's kind of a callback to the phantom menace where there's a bunch of force fields in a row in the darth maul duel at the end of that film uh, that oh, right. Obi Wan has to wait for the shields to go down before he can fight them. Like there's all these different things. They the Obi Wan and uh, Qui Gon Jin get separated because the shields close before Obi Wan can join Qui Gon in the fight. So stuff like that was interesting, and I I liked the the way that they handled that in this, and it it also helped thematically just with the Praetorian Guards and the Dark Trooper Phase Two and like the red and the black. Uh, mm-hmm. The armor that Gideon was wearing, like all that kind of stuff, it just kind of helped amp it up. It felt a little like Bond villain, you know, layer. Um, but like, whatever, you're on, you're on um, Mandalore, and you've got a secret, secret Imperial base. Like, I mean, you're gonna use all the resources that are there because there's no one there to stop you. You know, like, you're, oh my goodness, yeah, you're just you got free reign, right? For me, with the the jet fat pack stuff, uh, I really enjoyed the action that they they did with Bo-Katan leading the Mandalorians with the dark saber and the Armorer with her forge hammers there was oh, yeah. a weird i think it's because of the armorer but there was a weird how to train your dragon vibe where <laughs> like you've got Bo-Katan yeah. flying in with a laser sword you've got Mandalorians using blasters and rockets and jetpacks and there's the armorer with a jetpack basically smacking people in the face with hammers yep. like it's it's just good call. yeah it's like she's using hand, like she's using hand to hand combat <laughs> you know stuff uh with jetpacks
1: how to train your dragon that like good good reference you're you're bang on there
0: that or you need like flight of the valkyries or like <laughs> one of the classic tracks from like um apocalypse now you know <laughs> playing in the background yeah. as you're descending
1: it goes to show you just how how useful those weapons can be that like just a hammer can be like everyone's got Beskar armor on at that point. Like they're flying in against Imperial. I'm not sure if they're Imperial troopers or what they were called. I forget, but they had Beskar armor as well and they're just all shooting at each other and it's just, it's just bouncing off the armor. So then when you're actually able to swing a hammer, that's got massive swing behind it and you're like clank and thud and people are getting, it makes sense that you get knocked out and completely thrown off where these you know, these these guns are just doing nothing at that point.
0: And if you get knocked out and you're flying high above the ground with your jetpack as as a stormtrooper, then like you're, if you fall and you can't, if you're not a you know conscious to turn the jetpack back on, like you're done. You know, like it just oh, it's yeah. it's interesting. um And not to mention, like yeah, I mean, she's swinging the hammer. I'm sure she's very capable, but she's also got a jetpack at her back. So like she, she, you're being hit yeah. with the force <laughs> of the jetpack attached to a hammer. <laughs> you know, true, as long as she doesn't true. let go of the hammer, ow, you know. So I thought yeah. that was that they did they handled that really, really well. I also feel like those scenes were very fast-paced in terms of like you'd see two people go up one and then against one another, and then one of them would die like immediately. There it yeah. wasn't like this long duel between different characters, and there wasn't necessarily people just shooting and getting away. It was like pew pew pew, someone dies, and then they move on to the next person. And I really liked how uh Dinjarin did this a lot because at this point he well, we, in the, in the chapter 23, it ended with Din being captured. And this is one of the things I didn't like about this go between the two episodes is that it was useless as a cliffhanger because three minutes into the next episode, he's freed mm-hmm. again, right? Like i I really found that was dumb, uh, and really felt like here's where we insert the commercial break and you all have to wait a week. Like just that, it yeah. felt like terrestrial old TV when they didn't need to do that at all. Um, but it li- was
1: basically a mechanism to end the episode, probably. <laughs> yeah,
0: but basically. Uh, but I, but I liked when he did get um, freed uh, by Grogu in IG twelve, which was again hilarious. I I really enjoyed the the accuracy that Dinjarin when he was going hand to hand with anybody, he wasn't shooting them in the armor. He was putting the blaster. Oh, yeah, he was yeah. putting the blaster muzzle either under their chin, under their chest plate, or like point blank. At their throat when they're on the ground like it was execution style it was like john wick in mando armor it was yeah. awesome
1: and there's a couple a couple of cool moments that i really liked as well where was, you know he might shoot and then it'd go ching, ping ping off the armor and then he'd aim down and like get the crease in between the foot yeah like basically where the ankle bone is so he just dropped them down to the ground by doing that and, and i love little little tiny things like that because it's just it goes to show that they're as a fighter they're just hyper aware of all the weak points on somebody, and I just think that's just next level fighting. That's cool.
0: And it was never like a one shot. Like if he puts the pistol underneath your chin, he sh- he pulls the trigger three times. Like it's not. Yeah. It's like you're dead. Yeah. You're dead. You're dead. <laughs> like it just. It's it just feels so aggressive. And which is funny because like when he speaks, he's so mellow all the time. <laughs> you know?
1: But that that fight scene at the end, though, they were messing with his kid. At that point, he's just like, "All right." Oh yes. <laughs>
0: Yeah. It's go time. Yeah, that was good when when they get separated and Grogu has to Grogu takes the have we talked about the IG twelve thing? Did you and I talk about that on the show? I don't think we got that uh, far.
1: No, actually that's right because um I don't remember what forgot, episode he, that was in. He got it at the beginning of episode uh like or chapter twenty-three.
0: That's right. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, that's yeah, like
1: yeah. they 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 flew in and all landed and then went when they went back to the um I can't remember his title, so basically so the mayor. Of the area, brief carga, yeah.
0: Mag- yeah, magistrate, yeah, high magistrate. He
1: he basically brought IG twelve in to show Dinjaran and he's like, "No, this is not good." And then was, that was actually fun, kind of a fun comedic moment when when Grogu gets in there and just hits the no button, and then just keeps going, yes, 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 over again. Because as a parent, I laugh at that because that is such a toddler move.
0: <laughs> I really. Like I lost my mind at that scene. I was, I watched it twice. I was laughing so hard. I couldn't hear <laughs> what Din and Cargo were saying. I was just laughing at Grogu. I didn't really like the yes in the alleyway, like where he was just pounding the yes button repeatedly. Cause that to me got old. It was funny the first couple times, but, and I know what you're saying about like the toddler move, but Grogu's 50. <laughs> like he's old yeah, enough to communicate. Yeah, so. but he's old enough to communicate. He's old enough to understand all these different things so he's more than a toddler like he he has the mo- he has more mo- like he has the mobility of a toddler but he has more mental capacity for sure because yeah. there's points there was a point later when mandalorians were fighting on board a ship and Grogu got between them and he and he used the button to say no like don't fight amongst yourselves this is the mm-hmm. reason why we have problems already and so i he understands those concepts which i think is kind of higher than just toddler stuff but yeah the the it solved two problems. Like, well, one, it it really um gave some comedic relief and some interesting kind of range for Grogu to be able to m- more than respond to his name mm-hmm. or pantomime like he actually can use a word and, it, and communicate. And it has two words. <laughs> He's binary now, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. Which is funny because again, droids. But uh with the mobility, right, he can now walk with Din he can be in the same shot with din he doesn't have to hover at din's waist right like everything's is better yeah. he can he can have a little bit more mobility he's still pretty passive like that he doesn't have a weapon or anything like that um and i think that that unfortunately um ig12 got destroyed i'm not sure what's going to happen in the future with grogu because with ig12 being dismantled but um i i really like the the mobility that it gave him and um right up until he went up against the praetorian guards uh, it was, it was really, really cool to see him use the droid very efficiently in just a short amount of time that went from stumbling around Karga's office to the next thing they know they're on Mandalore, you know, a day later and he's walking, no problem. Like he's not fumbling mm-hmm. around, he's ducking behind walls, he's kind of moving out of the way of the guards. And, um, but as you said, that led to a fight between Grogu and the Praetorian guards, which dismantled Paz Vizla at the end of uh, chapter 23.
1: I don't say it was tough to watch like it emotionally. Was. Yeah. It wasn't like so sad, but it was just, it was upsetting. I was, uh, I really liked him as a character. So Me too. Yeah. I thought he was going to pull through.
0: They did a lot of work from Boba Fett to make a good pact between Din and Paz. And mm-hmm. then to have Paz die in chapter 23, it really had some weight. And I think that that's, bad because i liked paz but good because it means that star wars isn't afraid to freaking kill people (laughs) that the audience likes you know it it means that when there's danger there's potential peril for one of your favorite characters you don't know you know because we're not dealing with characters that we know are in future films or future stories right Mm -hmm. and so that part is is cool uh but yeah it was um that was a fun fight scene too. Like I really enjoyed the way that the Mandalorians move through the caverns and would like cover the corners and basically use the jetpacks to like dismantle people and like not just use it to fly, but use it to like knock people down or uh, close distance with a jetpack, you know, two feet, you know, just to get that much closer. Yeah. That kind of stuff was cool.
1: And I do like how they use the grappling people, the, the grappling hook or the grappling cables or whatever you want to call them. Oh yeah. Like trip people and grab them and pull them in. It's just, it, it's, again, it just feels like being extra aware of your weapons and your abilities is really well done.
0: It's like star Wars meets Batman. Like they have all these gadgets, you know, <laughs> yeah. and they just, they use them to their advantage. Um, the flamethrowers and stuff, like all kinds of things, the Praetorian guards were really interesting too, because that ties it all into the last Jedi. Mm-hmm. So those were the guards that were at um, Snoke's side and Ray and Kylo Ren had to fight the Praetorian guards in the throne room, Snoke's throne room. Yep. And those were formidable. So like when you know that they can, they killed Paz Vizla, and you know who they are and what they're capable of, then you see them going up against Grogu and you're like, oh my God. I mean, like yeah. the show is so popular that you know they're not going to kill Grogu. So you're not like super worried, but you're also kind of like, how is Grogu going to handle this? And uh, of course he's going to run and jump because that's what they, they really like the whole, force jump this season that's kind of grogu's new thing and i don't know if you've seen it Uh, i'm glad i didn't see it before the episode but i saw it about a week after have you seen the weird little music video about seagulls and luke and yoda have you seen that no okay should i it's a bad lip sync video turn away from it no oh no it's hilarious it's It's, it's, it is one of the funniest things you're going to see on the internet anyway okay (laughs) uh basically it's the exchange that luke and yoda have in the hut on dagobah in empire strikes back and instead of what they're saying somebody's inserting a song but they had to write the song to match the bad lip reading of (laughs) what they were saying right so the words coming out can't be what they actually say but it has to also match the lips so I can't remember all the lyrics right now, but it's something about seagulls bashing with a coconut. They're gonna get my get my dinner, but they did. Like there's all these different repetitive things. But anyway, when they get to the training right. sequences where Yoda is on Luke's back, then the bridge to the song is like run, 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 jump, like this kind this kind of like boppy little song, <laughs> and somebody cut that track to grogu running along the ceiling lights and jumping (laughs) and so and it fits perfectly because it takes him about three beats to run the length of the ceiling light and then he jumps between them (laughs) and so it works out absolutely perfect uh and i i hollered when i when i saw it on on tiktok or wherever i saw it maybe youtube but man it was it was really good it is an earworm. You will be singing it for a week. <laughs> I'm sorry, not oh, sorry, man. because we've all had to do it. <laughs> you know, we've all had oh, to do I've, it. I've
1: got it open in a tab in my browser now. So as soon as we're done recording, I'm going to uh, take that in.
0: It's real. It's really bizarre.
1: Just uh, back to that fight sequence. Though, oh, yes. One thing I wanted to mention is that when Grogu and Din Djarin were in there together, um, when they're fighting the the guards there, it's the combination of Dinjarin's fighting with Grogu's force push it mm-hmm. just made for a very visually impressive scene i just thought it was good and and it allowed grogu to be in there because it, there were times when Dinjaran was in a spot where he was taking care of someone and then one of the other guys were coming in from behind and then it looks like like i, I kept forgetting that grogu was there able to do the push so he'd be coming that somebody would be coming down with a swing and then get would just get kind of just tossed across the room it was a it was a good combo it was neat to see the two of them actually work like fight together against the bad guys It worked quite well
0: and what was so crazy about it and and cool is that grogu was doing all the disarming so he wasn't pushing anybody off Mm -hmm. ledges like he wasn't crushing anybody he wasn't knocking anybody out it was like i'm going to kind of like tai chi my way out of this like i'm going to push you out at your leg so you fall over so you can't get me oh oh there's a guy about to get din but he's about to grab the sword that he dropped. So I'm going to push the sword over the edge. And then the guy's, yeah. you know, the guy's got no weapon. And so then Din takes him out. And like, it was a really cool choreography of like Grogu kind of like dismantling all this kind of stuff. And yeah. and that was really like, it kind of foreshadowed the fight between uh, Bo-Katan and Din Djarin and Grogu at the end, which I thought was was really cool. Because if you watch closely, when din rushes in to save grogu he does like the slide and like blaster fire and stuff i think he did it then he did it then or he did it when he was fighting the guards behind the force Uh fields which was another really cool scene um but anyway grogu was with him at both occasions and so when grogu rushes into the fight with um din and bokatan and moff gideon he does a knee slide It's subtle, but he he basically Grogu does. Dude, Grogu does. Watch it again. Yeah, he does. Oh, okay. He does a knee slide at the end, right when he pushes. He does a force push on Gideon. I don't know whether he actually pushes Gideon or whether he pushes Gideon's axe off the ledge, but he does something that that that's force related. <laughs> and he, I was just like, okay, Grogu's right. Grogu's doing the knee slide now. Like that's Learn from dad. Learn from dad. Yeah. No, it's pretty. It's pretty solid. It's a pretty solid um, skill pickup. I like the ending too, where i the the title of chapter three was really misleading because it was called the spies and so you kept Mm -hmm. on waiting for like that television double cross like one of the mandalorians to be the spy that they're talking about when really they were just talking about the character that's on coruscant the lady that uh, was a former imperial so she's really still an imperial she's a double agent which i was not surprised at because she's just evil um, Moff Gideon's right hand sort of thing. Uh, right. And so that's what the title was referring to, I think. But I kept on thinking it was going to be...
1: Axe, the guy who flew back up to the ship?
0: Yeah, the guy that flew up to the ship and was piloting the Imperial ship and ended up crashing it into Mandalore.
1: Yeah, I have a problem with that. Physics-wise, It's like, it feels like something coming from that high up in the atmosphere crashing into the ground would make much more potentially... Catastrophic level implosion on the ground, like for, to just crash into the ground, and then have Dinjar and Bokutan and and uh Grogu be able to just stay on the platform. Nothing happens to the platform. I thought it was I actually really enjoyed the Grogu using the shield or the, the the force to create a shield to protect them from the fire. But something that huge coming like it was and it was straight down. It wasn't even like it's trying to stay above the ground. It was literally pitched straight at the ground. You could see it all like just looked like it was meters away crashing through the ground and they survived. And and I hate that it bugs me because there's so much stuff that was cool in this episode and the fact that they did that. And it's just, I don't
0: know. See, for me, I just thought, I mean, like they're in a a Mandalorian cave that's full of Beskar everywhere. Like I I would imagine that the, the, the facility was pretty sturdy. I also thought it was a lot farther away. I thought it was a pretty big facility. I didn't think it crashed like on top of bo I think it went, I thought it went down the, the natural cave that was there.
1: It did. But then just the, just the sheer force from something that huge impact in the ground would have a shockwave that like there, there was the kind of no shockwave or whatever. There was just like right. this burst of fire that came through, but there was just, I, I feel like there'd just be this massive air displacement from something that large, creating that, that big of an impact. But,
0: I didn't pick up on that, but I'd have to watch it again to see how, I mean, it was big, but I would have to remember where it was in relation to, to everyone. The thing that I was getting from it was that it was kind of a nice nod to the Super Star Destroyer crashing into the Death Star in Return of the Jedi. Kind of comes straight down. Oh, yeah. has yeah. the same noise. It it makes the same like kind of whine noise as it gets closer to impact. Which I that was really cool. But I, And I liked, uh, at first I thought that Axe might be like, sacrificing himself but then i then i realized no no jetpack <laughs> like he just blows yeah. a hole in the side of the windshield and just like jumps out <laughs> last minute which i thought was i thought was pretty good but yeah there was a lot of really cool i guess wrap up moments in mm-hmm. in the series too like you've got um din going back to navarro um well, i guess that's i'm getting ahead of myself Din and Grogu actually go to the Republic, I guess it's a New Republic fighter pilot bar, where he talks to Carson Teva, played by Paul Sung Lee, and the guy that was like basically like an X Wing cop for most of the, the oh, series. Right, right, right. So yeah. he talks to him at the bar and he's like, So I hear you might need some help hunting down Imperial Remnants. I'm a bounty hunter. I'm free reign now i no longer am helping the mandalorians retake mandalore <laughs> he didn't say all this but it's essentially what he gets at yeah. but he's basically saying like i don't want to work for scum anymore i want a decent paycheck i want something straightforward and uh, i now have beef with these imperials because they were after my kid and so i want you to hire me to help you <laughs> because you're understaffed right. and that's basically what what Tiva is is, is is come to understand but the whole time they're in that bar there's all these little Dregs. like across the top of the bar there's all these helmets from different stormtroopers over the years uh there's an ig11 head which they they take back to navarro grogu immediately gets on the bar and starts eating snacks and is pointing to the droid heads and then in the background um trapper wolf played by dave filoni <laughs> who directed the episode is there like jabbing away with somebody in the background. No. It's the same place that we saw Zeb, uh, the big purple guy from Rebels uh, a couple of episodes ago. I have
1: to go back and watch the end of that episode. It feels like there's a couple things that I just...
0: Oh, it's really good. Yeah. It's a really nice nod to the characters. And I think it's good because we might see more Carson Tiva in, in Mando's future, which I think would be great. Almost like a quest giver. Yeah. Like, you know, I've got a new bounty for you for you and then Din and Grogu go off and do whatever they're going to do. And then at the end, they also have like, it's almost like a baptism, I guess, where they try to get Grogu to become a foundling, but he can't speak, so he can't take the creed. And they're doing this all in the minds of Mandalore. And instead, there's like some weird loophole where we can't find his parents. We don't even know where his parents are. They could not be alive. So I'm going to adopt him. And so Mm -hmm. as my son, he becomes my ward or something. And so that kind of... I guess, grandfathers him into the foundling program. Like, it was a it was a weird kind of thing. Basically, if I take yeah. him on as my son, then I then become his guardian and I can speak for him as the guardian. It's kind of a bit of a, uh, of a loophole. But, what I thought was really interesting about that particular exchange is that he becomes Din Grogu. Oh, right. I thought Din was Din's first name. But, it might be that Jaren might be his first name. Din might be the name of whoever his adoptive parent was because Din was also adopted and brought into the Mandalorian mm-hmm. culture, right? So I thought that was a really interesting thing that I didn't realize about, about the the series because like Bo-Katan Kryze, I'm assuming her first name is bo but I don't know. Um, but then again, she's not adopted. She's like part of a family tree, for a house of Mandalore. So it might be different for the children's of the watch and the and the way that they do things but i thought it was interesting and then after that he had the cool stuff where he goes back to navarro he brings back ig11 ig11 is now the navarro sheriff because it's a it's a assassin (laughs) droid essentially but then we've got the cool little like western homestead ending to to everything uh and i don't think it's the end of the series i think it's just the end of these chapters so yeah. the homestead on Navarro was very like Clint Eastwood lone gunman sort of stuff, and so the show ends with Mando on the porch, you know, while Grogu is is levitating a frog over a pond on Navarro, which I thought was really cool.
1: Poor frog's about to <laughs> about to be a snack.
0: But there's a fun little Easter egg where they do a circle wipe. They they come in on Grogu for a minute, and then they close the the circle and it fades to black. Mm-hmm. And the only time Star Wars does that is at the end of Revenge of the Sith, the end of The Return of the Jedi, and the end of Rise of Skywalker. So these chapter markers, like the end of an mm. arc. And so this is the end of season three of The Mandalorian, and they did the little circle. wipe. thought that was a really cool thing. Like, just little things that you pick up on when you've seen these things a hundred times.
1: So do you think that that means season four is going to be almost intentionally set up to lead into the movie that they're doing?
0: I think that season four is probably going to be, well, one, they're setting it up to be more lone star adventures with, with Mando and Grogu, right? Like that's, mm. that's kind of what they're setting it up to be. So there's, there may be some cameos from Bo-Katan. There may be some cameos or, or there might be more involved from Carson Teva, but there, it's not they. They don't need to figure out who is hunting Grogu and why the Imperials want him because Moff Gideon is right. done. Yeah, so that part is finished. We can move on, which is good because it takes Mando back to square one, sort of, where we really like season one. It's very Western. It's very like you know, you you open up the Western saloon doors and in walks the lone Mandalorian. So it has more of a a vibe like that. But then if he's bouncing around the galaxy doing all these things, hunting down Imperial remnants, well, you know who else is hunting down Imperial remnants? Ahsoka, right? So I feel like there's probably going to be a cameo in Ahsoka. There's probably going to be Ahsoka cameo happening in season three of Mando, like, or four, sorry, season four of Mando. Um, I know they're all going towards that movie. I don't know how far that movie is away. That's so it could, is it three more seasons? Is it two more seasons? Who knows? Who knows? Um, But I Mm -hmm. like that they're kind of pointing that way. And they have the layers that they could really still do their own thing in the series, but have things kind of push towards the film. And I think that could be that could be very, very cool. Moving on into the Internet Minute, which is, of course, brought to you by you. The Citadel Cafe is 100% percent listener supportive. If you're getting value out of the show, please consider putting a little bit of value back in. You can become a member at patreon.com slash the Citadel Cafe. Joining at any level will get you an invite to the member-only Discord server, which is shared with my personal Discord, and access to Bristacut bonus audio sessions when we have time to record them. Special thanks to our Bean Counter patrons, Cosmic and Smurf588. Thanks very much for your support on this episode. Patron count is at 27, and that is steady on from the last time that we recorded. Our goal each time we sit down is to have at least one more patron in the previous episode. If you would like to be patron number 28, visit patreon.com slash the Citadel Cafe. I'm going to keep this really short. I mentioned the Lego Star Wars X-Wing Ultimate Collector series on the last episode. It arrives tomorrow. Ooh. <laughs> and I'm glad I didn't wait to pull the trigger because... I had VIP access on May 1st. I was having a little bit of purchase hesitation. I talked to my dear friend, Britt, and she basically said, tough love. If you don't buy it for yourself by 5 p.m. today, I am buying it for you. (laughs) I was just like, (laughs) that is very sweet. Please don't do that. I will. You're right. You know, basically, she's like, you never do anything for yourself. You've got some money for your birthday. Like, do the thing that you want. And so I did. And I'm glad I did because less than a week later, Chad sent me a text and it is currently out of stock. Wow. I'm glad I didn't hesitate. Uh, I I hesitated with the DeLorean, the time machine from back to the future. And I waited months, six months, 10 months. It was a long time before it was, it was back uh, in stock to, to pick up. So uh, that is on its way to me. I will give a big shout out and thank you to anybody that was donating bits or uh, making donations on my birthday stream on uh, last weekend because I was able to uh, use that money or some of that money to put towards the X-Wing. And generally a big shout out and thank you to all of the people that supported by sending in Lego sets. There was a Lego stream just before my birthday, and this is why I had the purchase hesitation is because... I already had about five new Lego sets to put together because people were so generous and so lovely (laughs) on my birthday. So for me to buy one of my own, uh, having four or five unopened sets sitting here, I thought, I don't need another one, right? Like, I don't need another one. But I think the justification came from Britt when she said, you would get it eventually. It's true. Like buying it now and building it later, or buying it later and building it later are the same thing. Like, <laughs> just buy it now. You know, you have it. And it's not like you're putting on a visa or going into debt to get it. Like, it's you're not making a poor financial decision just to get this thing. So, right. I have Ecto One from Ghostbusters, I have the nice. Motorized Lighthouse. I have the Tie Fighter, another Star Wars theme build. Mm-hmm. I just finished actually Grogu and the Mandalorian, the Brickheads versions, the little mini, <laughs> the little mini dudes. That was really fun actually. And what was the other set that I have? Leia's helmet from Return of the Jedi, the helmet that she wears in Jabba's palace. I think it's called Boche is the name of the character. <laughs> is she? She's impersonating a bounty hunter. Anyway, right, right. yeah. So I've got that as like a little helmet to put together, which is very cool. So. Uh, Again, super thank you to everybody. I really appreciate it. Uh, It's going to be a lot of fun. And um, I won't be talking about the kind of like, I guess the sets too much uh, on this show because a lot of the times the Lego, I guess, internet minute happens to be about future sets and things that are coming. Uh, There were a couple of Star Wars sets that were were released uh, for for May 4th, Star Wars Day. But the one that interests me the most was the X-Wing Ultimate Collector series. I know Chad picked up the Mandalorian Fighter and tie interceptor because the tie interceptor was his favorite ship. The, the tie interceptor has always been one of his favorites and he couldn't get it on its own. He had to get it in the set with the Mando snub fighter. I think is what they're called. I can't remember what the Mandalorian starfighters are called. They have a name. Uh, so he got that. So I might ask him about that or maybe get him to send a picture in or oh, something yeah. like that. That'd be fun. Um, anyway, that's, that's my pick this week. And that wraps up this episode of The Citadel Cafe. You can get more information about the show and links to some of the things that we talked about at thecitadelcafe.com. Music for the show was composed by Kevin MacLeod. You can email the show at thecitadelcafe at gmail.com or find the show by name on Twitter. Subscribe for free on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube, or your favorite podcast app. You can find the show at just about anywhere. And hey, while you're out there, leave a rating or a review on your favorite episode or maybe even a comment on YouTube. It's all free and it helps the show find new listeners. My name is Joel Duggan. You can find everything I am doing online at joelduggan.com. Listen to my other podcast about Minecraft at the spawnchunks.com. And follow me on social media at Joel Duggan, as well as on Twitch, where I stream every day but Monday. I am currently working on Minecraft on Tuesday, Thursdays and the weekends, Satisfactory on Wednesdays, and Lego on Fridays. So you get to see these new sets being built live on Twitch. Stephen, where can people find you online?
1: For the most part, people can find me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Stephen And i Stephen with a PH and uh, it's from hanging out mostly.
0: You've been listening to the Citadel Cafe, where we are fast, easy, and cheap, but you can only pick two.